Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Holman Park Baptist Church. And so we look at the tale of the leper, the lawman, and the in-law. Last week, in part one, we looked at the story of the leper. And in today's miracle, we see an even-tempered and disciplined law enforcement officer actually approach Jesus with a need that was actually not for himself, but for someone he cared about deeply. You see, there were many reasons why this Roman centurion should not have approached Jesus, but it did not matter. And so the centurion found that the needs of someone else were greater than his reasons not to approach Jesus. Let me say that one more time. That the needs of someone else were not or actually more important than him not approaching Jesus. So in today's message, we will see how the gospel of Jesus crosses lines to reach anyone who is in need. And what lines are we talking about today? We must be willing to bring those who are hurting to Jesus, regardless of the social costs that we may incur. Would we be able, would we be willing to risk what people think about us, to bring the gospel to those who need it. Well, this Roman centurion gives us a great example. But the problem is that when we don't do that, or when we resist telling people about Jesus, and and when I say telling people about Jesus, I know exactly what you're thinking. Oh, that's something that a preacher does. I don't have the words. I don't have the training. I don't have this. I don't have that. Folks, You don't mind telling people about a sale that you found where you got something 50% off. You don't mind telling people about the weather or your favorite sports teams. Why do we think it's so difficult to tell people about Jesus? You may not know all the verses. You may not know all of the right techniques, but you know this. This is your life. This is your life before Christ. This is how you met Christ. And this is how your life is different after Christ. Not perfect, but you're in a process. But the reason we don't share that is because of pride. And pride can really get you. For example, there was a man that went to the doctor after weeks of symptoms. And so the doctor examined him carefully and then called the patient's wife in to the office so he could talk to her alone. The doctor was really frank with the wife. He says to the wife, your husband is suffering from a rare form of anemia. Without treatment, he'll be dead in a few weeks. The good news is it can be treated with the proper nutrition. And so the wife says, please tell me what I can do. So the doctor proceeded, you will need to get up early every morning and fix your husband a hot breakfast. Pancakes, bacon, and eggs, the works. And he'll need a home-cooked lunch every day. And then when he comes home, he's going to need a good old-fashioned meat and potatoes dinner every night. And it would also be helpful if you could break, bake frequently things like cakes and pies and homemade bread. These are the things that will allow your husband to live so he can get the proper nutrition. One more thing. His immune system is weak, so it's extra important that your home be kept as spotless as it can be at all times. Do you have any questions, ma'am? She was silent. Then she looked at the doctor and said, Doctor... Do you want to break the news to him or shall I? She she wasn't going to do that for her husband. Now, that's a joke, and I hope that that wouldn't 
certainly there would be no doctor that would prescribe that. And uh, I, I don't think that that would be a real scenario. But the matter of the fact is, the point is that her pride kept her from doing the things that would prolong her husband's life. Now, that's a joke because we wouldn't expect, hopefully, we wouldn't expect anybody to be like that for us. I mean, it's marriage is a not a you do everything and I sit back. Marriage is a not even 50-50. It's 100 and 100. And that's the way it must be, is that we give all of ourselves to serve one another. But the point is, pride was getting in her way. And pride will always get in our way when we want to do something for Jesus. Pride will tell us that we shouldn't do it, that we might be above this, or that we might not be able to get through with this. But as we look at this, we must also not be too proud to help someone who needs the healing power of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, last week we encountered a man that was outcast due to his physical needs. He was a leper. And so today we see a man that's outcast because of his race. Yes, folks, this passage is about racism. It's not about black. It's not about white. It's not about Latino. It's not about Anglo-American. This is about someone who is a non-Jew approaching someone who is a Jew. And that divide between the Jewish nation and what they call Gentiles, which is a non-Jew, was very racist. And you see that although we might not be accused of that today, the contention, the seed of racism has always been and always will be as long as there's sin is, sin is in the world and as long as man is fallen in their condition. So let's look at the story. If you have brought your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 8. And we're going to start with verse 5. Uh, we'll have notes on the screen for you. And also, if you have the Bible app, you can pull up our outline in the events page. And you can see right there uh, the notes as well. But the first thing that we see is that a Roman centurion felt unworthy to approach Jesus. But it didn't stop him. He felt unworthy to approach him. But it didn't stop him. Let's read. Starting with verse 5, it says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer, or some translations say centurion, he came and pleaded with him. I highlighted in my scripture, came and pleaded. This war hero, this Roman centurion, this guy that had all the armor on and had the, the stone Look about his face. He is the one that came and pleaded with him. Lord, my servant, or some translations say child, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed in terrible pain. Some translations say that uh, he had palsy. But it means that he was patient. He was in dire need of help. And this Roman centurion approached Jesus about it. And then in verse 7 it says, Jesus said, I will come heal him. I will come heal him. He didn't give him an excuse. He didn't say, whoa, buddy, step back. You're a Gentile. He said, I will help him. And he goes on in verse 8. He says, the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if my if I say this to my slaves, do this, they do it. 
So just a real quick background about this passage. Number one, a Roman centurion officer would be a supervisor of anywhere from 80 to 100 men. And not only that, uh, they were men of caliber. They were men that usually worked their way up through the ranks to get there. You see, they had the respect of their authorities and also those that they lead. Folks, this is a great example of what you and I should be in our work ethic, in our careers, in our service for the Lord. You see, people given a position, you know, you've been in organizations where this happens. So-and-so's son or cousin or nephew or somebody, they get right out of college and they get a, a position above and they stare step four or five other people. Here's the thing. People given a position need to earn the respect of those that they lead. They need to earn the respect. I remember being in middle school and high school playing football teams. And you're sitting there and you think that you're going to be on the starting line. And all of a sudden, some kid from some other place comes in. And then all of a sudden, they're a lot better than you. And all of a sudden, they get the position. Am I bitter about it? No. Maybe a little. But the, but the truth of the matter is, it didn't matter where they came from. If the, whoever had the best talent won. But, but to be able to lead, to be able to get that position, we have to earn the respect of those that we lead. But people who are given a position need to earn the respect of those they lead. But people who are promoted within, based on their merit, they already have the respect that they earn from those that they lead. So bottom line, whether you're a newcomer, you have to earn respect. But if you worked your way up through it, then you have the respect and it's been pushed upon you. But the thing is, is the fact that he had led so many in the army, it proved his character and his high sense of duty and his respect for the chain of command. Folks, check this out. And and you might get something out of this. If you cannot expect the authorities that have been placed over you, how can you expect others to respect your authority? Let me bring it a little closer to home. Mom and dad, if you don't respect each other's authority, then why do you expect your children to respect your authority? If you don't respect the authority of those that govern you and, and do law over them. Now, I, granted, I know some of them are great and some are not so great. But if we can't respect the authorities that have been placed over us, people will not respect our authority. And that's what we see in this passage. And the thing is, is that with all the responsibility and the authority that the centurion possessed, he still had concern. For this young child. What could have caused this man to risk his position in the Roman army to save this young child? I mean, think about it. He broke ranks. He broke character. He broke everything to approach this Jewish man that was already a hot topic in culture. I mean, here he was. He could have lost his job. He could have lost his money. He could have been made a laughing stock. He could have lost everything in that. And he did. What could have moved him to risk all that? Well, the truth in those days were viewed as members of the household. And in this case, this servant could likely have been the only member or significant member in this man's house. This could have been a like a son person to him. So what do we do? We need to demolish the barriers 
that keep us from approaching Jesus. That's what the centurion tells us. We must demolish the barriers that keep you from approaching Jesus. And the main one, as I said earlier, is what? It starts with a P. Pride. Pride, that's right. Pride. Did you know that in James 4, 6, it talks about pride? And it says, and he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The Roman centurion demolished barriers. What barriers did he demolish? He demolished pride. He demolished doubt. He demolished position. Or entitlement. He demolished money because he was risking his income by going to Jesus. He demolished the praise of man. Now, I remember even as a student and even as an adult, we want everybody to like us. And it was a sad day when I realized that everybody won't like me. And, and you know, I still don't like that fact, but I've learned to live with it. I'm not going to please everybody. You're not going to please everybody. And in the the age of when we were teenagers, we lived to please our friends. And I'll be honest with you, as we get older, that never really goes away. That temptation. We all want to fit in. He fought that. He fought the praise of man. He fought the judgmental tones of the racists of those days. It says in verse 5, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer again came and pleaded with him. We know he risked everything. He approached and pleaded Jesus for him to heal his servant. Jesus was a Jew and the officer was not. We see that the man that gives order in the Roman army was pleading for Jesus to work. The officer didn't care about what people thought. He didn't even care about what his authorities thought of him doing this. He only knew that this was his chance to plead with the Messiah to heal. And my friend, that may be true for you one day. If you are a believer, you've had that moment where you can reach out and say, Heal me, Jesus. Or heal somebody I love. Forgive me of my sins. And if you haven't had that moment, you will have this moment at some point. And what will you do? Will you let pride rob you of a blessing? I see it every week when we give an invitation. And I just know that the Lord is working. And I see those white knuckles on the backs of those pews. People don't want to move. Because what would people think? I've seen... Revivals before, where deacons get saved, where preachers get saved, where the evangelist is preaching, get saved. Folks, it's, it's not about what we look like. It's not about our religiosity, what people think about us. It's what God thinks about us. And this Roman centurion only cared about what Jesus thought. Because only Jesus will bring true eternal healing. Long after these bodies fade and turn to dust, our soul will still remain. And here's the thing. This was radical for this guy to do that. God honors risk-taking faith. God honors risk-taking faith. There's an author named Max Lucado. He wrote a book called He Still Moves Stones. Check this out. God honors radical risk-takers. Risk-taking faith. God honors risk-taking faith. When arks are built, lives are saved. 
When soldiers march, Jericho's tumble. When staffs are raised, seas are open. When a lunch is shared, thousands are fed. And when a garment is touched, whether by the hand of an anemic woman in Galilee or by the prayers of a beggar in Bangladesh, Jesus stops. He stops and responds. I want you to know about this. I'm going to put it on the screen. Do not let your pride or fears keep you from approaching Jesus. Not only for you, but others may be depending on you. I remember in my life when the Lord got a hold of my life as a teenager, I never planned it, but it had an impact on my parents. All of a sudden, I saw my dad start going to church more. I saw my mom starting to go to church more. My dad became an usher. My, my mom just took me to just about everything she could, and I saw God doing it and working there. I'm not taking the credit for it, but I'd, I'd see that because of my walk with the Lord, it benefited them. And then in times when I was weak, Their walk benefited me. Some of you, your children were raised in this church because of your influence. And now their influence is helping their children. And so on and so on. Remember this where it says in verse 6, Lord, my young servant child lies in bed, paralyzed in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I will come heal him. Don't let your pride get in the way of that. The second thing that we see is that Jesus makes you worthy To make a request of him. Jesus makes you worthy to make a request of him. Let's go back and read verse 8 again. It says, but the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. (laughs) I've heard people say, and I've felt before, God, I'm not worthy to pray to you. God, I'm not worthy of anything from you. God, if you knew what I really have done, there's no way you could love me. But the truth of the matter is he already knows everything and he still loves us. But he says, Lord, I am not worthy to come into your home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go and they go or come and they come. And I say to my slaves, do this and they do it. Folks, hear me out. Do not let others dictate your worth. Let me say that one more time. Do not let others dictate your worth. I, in student ministry, I saw kids that were obsessed with letting others dictate their worth. There are some girls that could not function without a boyfriend. There were boys that could not function Without a girlfriend. They had to be involved in something. They had to be a part of something. And that doesn't go away. You do not let somebody else define your worth. Donna's worth is not defined in my love for her. Her worth is defined in who God has created her to be. And there is nobody that can take away your worth. You may not feel worthy. But the truth of the matter is. Is that these people don't owe you a thing. You don't believe me? Those of you that used to be in school and you remember all the temptations and the trials you had, how how did you fare in all that? When I was in when I was in school, I thought, man, oh, this is so terrible. My life is going to end. But then when we get older, we we look back on that stuff and we're like, that ain't nothing compared to having to make a house payment every month. 
Yeah, let's talk about real problems. Where are we going to get food this week? The Roman centurion felt like he was less than other people. He was a Roman centurion, not a Jew. He was kind, but he was despised by the Jews. The Jews hated Roman soldiers because every time they thought of a Roman soldier, these were the soldiers that would oppress them, that would ridicule them, that would insult them and control them. And so for the Jews to see this Roman centurion, it would be like you seeing your a bully that bullied you all of a sudden coming and being pleading and needy. <laughs> I'll get him now. I'm going to kick him while they're down. I mean, that's the kind of, of mindset that the Jews had against this centurion. But he didn't care. He didn't let their views of him dictate his worth. Do not let the opinion of others or how they treat you dictate your worth. Do not let them. Because if you base your self-worth on the praises that you receive at your work, at your home, out in public, on your Facebook feed, or how many likes you get, or whose comments are... Oh my goodness, don't get me started on that. Your self-worth is not based in your social media feed. It's not based on what other people tell you. Your self-worth is more than that. You are more than that. You are more than what you could provide for someone else. You are more than you get on your grades. You are more than what you earn for your pay. You are more than the limits that others place on you. Why is that? Because Jesus, Jesus says that you are worthy. I want you to understand this. The world tries to rob you of your heritage, my friend. Whether you are a Christian here today or you as you are as lost as a ball in tall weeds and you hate everything about God, you may even believe that there is no God. You cannot take away the fact that in your heritage you were created by Him. Now you can have your theories like you were created from nothing or an accident or a big bang. or Hey, that's fine. Go ahead and believe that. But scriptures say that you and I are created in what? The image of God. So that when y'all are here, I see a clearer image of God because it's not one, two, or three. It's all of us. That's how we see the image of God. Red, yellow, black, and white. We are all precious in His sight. Your worth is not found within yourself, but your worth is found in what God has placed upon you. You are his greatest and prized creations. As a matter of fact, you are so worthy of God's love that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins so that you could be returned to him. You are worth dying for. And that's what God did. He sent his son. We hear that so much in the church. We say, okay, here comes the part where he talks about Jesus dying for my sins. Don't lose the weight of that. When Jesus was on the cross, he did that because he loves you and because he knew you were worth it. Don't let somebody try to take that away from you. The third thing that we see is that faith in Jesus overcomes religious actions every single time. 
Every single time. Faith in Jesus overcomes religious actions every single time. Verse 10 says, When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he turned back and he said to him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from the east and the west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Woo! He was really ticking the people off here. He has just said in that statement, he has told all of those Jewish leaders that feel like that they are God's chosen, that they are the cream of the crop, and that they are the experts. He just told them, look, you've got your rules, you've got your, your actions that you do that you think make you holy, but the truth of the matter is the faith... The faith of this Gentile, this non-Jew, this guy that you are so bigoted against, this guy that is a subject of your racist views, this guy is going to be the one that's going to be in the kingdom with me, not you. Woo! They were happy about that, weren't they? No, not too much. Then Jesus said to the Roman soldier, Roman officer, go back home. <laughs> Because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. Can you imagine being that young servant that was healed all of a sudden and he didn't know why? Folk, don't make religious habits. Don't mistake your religious habits for real faith. The Jews of Jesus' day mistook their religious actions as a replacement for faith in Jesus. Bottom line is their hearts were too full of themselves and their actions to have any room for faith in Jesus. Isn't it ironic that those who were supposed to be the greatest example of God's chosen people had no room for Jesus? Religious works are not the cause of salvation. Look, you can have somebody, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. When Jesus Christ comes back and he raptures his church, the sad part of it is there will be churches that will still be full and didn't know anything ever happened. Because they are basing their religious or their faith on religious views. This is my pew. This is my church. My family's been here for years. You don't wear hats in church. You don't wear slacks in church. You don't play cards. You don't go to the movies. You don't sing these songs. You don't read these translations. You don't do this. You don't do that. You got to do this. You can't do that. Put your right foot in. Put your right foot out. Put your right foot in and you shake it all about. Whatever. All of these different things that they say you got to do, those things are going to burn at the pile heap of hell. Because it's not about what we do for Jesus. It is about what Jesus has done for you. And these guys didn't get it. And there are people that are trying to live up to the expectations of other church members and other people to think what they ought to be, but yet they have no relationship with Jesus Christ. 
I, if, if the rapture comes back, I don't want anybody to be left, especially those in church. But, but the hardest person to reach is the person that has been raised to believe that their religious actions are a replacement for faith. And they think that because they go to church, they're going to go to heaven. My friend, it's not about what we do. It's about what Jesus has done for us. And the Roman centurion demonstrated his, his faith. By approaching Jesus. Folks, religious works are not the cause of salvation. They are the evidence of it. We don't do things to earn salvation. We are given salvation and then do things that prove that. As we wrap up today, your belief in Jesus will not only help you, it will help others if you're willing. Again, that that Roman centurion's Servant, that young child, the, the member of his household, within an hour was healed. I don't know about you, but when I'm sick and I start taking medicine, it's supposed to, as soon as that pill goes down, it's supposed to start working, right? It doesn't happen like that. But buddy, about the, the end of the day or the second day or the third day, when you feel that medicine kicking in, woo, it's good times. And then before you know, you're like, I don't even need the last pill. You better take it. You better take it. But the point is, is that we see that it happens because of the medicine. But here we have the Roman centurion that risked everything to save this member of his household. And my friend, you have members in your family and in your household that need you to take the risk to take them to Jesus. We have people in our community that need you to take the risk to take them to Jesus. It says in verse 13, Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go back home because you believe it has happened. And the young servant was healed the same hour. What do we get from this healing? Number one, the Roman centurion shows us that this world needs Jesus. The Jew shows us the religious reject Jesus because of their own rules. And then the young servant shows us the need for us to intercede for those that can't help themselves. Folks, the gospel of Jesus crosses lines to reach anyone who is in need. We must be willing to bring those who are hurting to Jesus, regardless of the social costs that we may incur. Let's pray. The dear Heavenly Father, we need You. We need to cry out to You, and there is nothing between us and You that is worth keeping between us and You. The Lord, this may be the Sunday morning of this snow morning where someone says, I realize that my worth has been found in so many other things, and I want my worth to be found in Jesus Christ. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I have a relationship with Him, that I have fully taken advantage of the sacrifice that He made so that I can be forgiven and free. If that's you today, I just want you, when the invitation starts, don't wait, just come up. If you don't want to come up by yourself, grab somebody's hand. Know for sure today, Maybe there's somebody here that has been praying about wanting to minister to somebody. 
giving the opportunity. Maybe there's somebody that just has somebody on their heart. Maybe you just want to come to the altar and pray. Maybe you want to join the church. Maybe you just have your own prayer need. Whatever it may be. This is the time for you to respond because Jesus is walking by. And I'm not guaranteeing you, you'll have another opportunity. Just like this Roman centurion. If you need Jesus today, cry out for him. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?